Okay, I have a question for doctors Edwards and Doak. When was the last time you felt truly inspired? I think for me it was last night. Really? I was watching a rerun. You're probably season. inspired every day. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know me. Um, no, but I was watching a rerun of Fixer Upper, probably my favorite. <gasps> Texan. Yes, Waco, Texas. My husband was even like, we could move to Waco. I'm like, mm, maybe not. <laughs> but they were, of course, they rip apart um, houses and remodel. And Fill so it with shiplap. today, as I speak to you, my kitchen is has holes in the wall because mm-hmm. we're going to remodel. So I was very inspired. <gasps> That is inspiring. Like, are you saying you just watched the show and just went for it? No, it was oh. already. It already had holes in oh, it. <laughs> we were already going to remodel, ah. but I'm inspired now. You know, I love it, it. HGTV has tried to replace Chip and JoJo with a new couple now, and I, I don't really like it. Wait, it's, is this the Palm Springs couple? Because I like them. I don't know. I just I don't know where they're from, but they're boring. I haven't watched that one. Well, there's this one couple where they do stuff in in Palm Springs in their mid mod houses. Anyway, we could go on. What about you, Doctor Doke? <sighs> The last time I remember feeling inspired, um, we went on a little family vacation and we're a little late to the Hamilton phenomenon, but I have two daughters. They're 10 years old and seven years old and <sighs> we let them watch like certain parts of it and just seeing them enraptured with like the musical stuff, it just made me feel like, wow, there's still wonder in the world. I loved it. I love that. For me, it had to be, mine is also a musical memory, which was, which has been introducing the the music of my youth to my own children mm-hmm. and watching them enjoy it i feel inspired and i don't even know to do what but just watching their faces light up while i'm you know like together we are getting excited about something The reason why I asked both of you this is because we are talking um, this week, the readings are in Luke and Acts, and we are talking about the third person of the Trinity present in the scripture, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Um, welcome, who's like, welcome, by the way, to the I Need oh, yeah, to Know More right. podcast welcome. with our special guest, Dr. Sarita Edwards. Hello, Lecture Dr. Edwards. from this week on the word Spirit. Welcome. Yes. Oops, forgot that part. Welcome. Well, we could do the introduction whenever, you know. Yeah, that's right. That's it just right. kind of happens. It could happen right before the end. Um, and we are talking about the spirit who's like the great inspiration throughout the the story of the people of God. Um, we have Dr. Edwards, you talked about the book of Luke, which is, and I think Dr. Doak, you've also lectured in part on the, the book of Luke, which is um, actually my favorite gospel. And oh, there's really? a lot, yeah, there's, there's a lot of spirit language in, mm-hmm. in Luke. The, the author of Luke and Acts is very interested in um, the, the spirit. And there's a lot of music too. Luke is like one big musical. I love it. Like, the spirit of God moves. People sing a song. It's great. I highly recommend. Um, but we hear uh, the story of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And then it goes, um, the story continues in Acts. How about that? Yeah, absolutely. So the book of Acts, we have the early church being empowered by God through the Holy Spirit. And they continue the work of Jesus. And that's how the author writes it. Um, they are filled with the spirit. And then they do the same things that Jesus does. And we've talked a little bit more already about Pentecost, that time when they're filled with the Holy Spirit, when they're praying. But then we see the expansion mm. of the of Christianity, really. And we see it in Jerusalem and then in the regions close by, Judea and Samaria. And then we see it 
expand through the missionary journeys of Paul and Barnabas and a few others to the ends of the ends of the world, which ends up being the centre of European um, just politics and everything, Rome. And so that's kind of the movement. So the structure of the text moves from Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And it's not just a geographical expansion. It's a social cultural expansion mm. as more and more people are becoming Christians who are outside of the people of Israel. That story in Acts gets really gritty and kind of technical as you get into it. Like, especially the latter half, it's all about like, then we journeyed here. Then we had a shipwreck. Then someone got bit by a snake. I like, love that part. Like all this kind of stuff <laughs> is going on. It's very and detailed. These, and like long speeches and things like that. It really has a feel of, of like an eyewitness type account of a journey of Paul to do all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you see you see Luke use the word I every now and then. Mm-hmm. And so even the author was there for some of the parts as well. Well, Luke and Acts are the, the only books like this where the author of the book like really peeks their head out. And says, hey, and says, hey it's I was me, here. Of a narrative. <laughs> I mean, the letters that we later get to in the New Testament, the author there is very explicit. But usually in biblical narrative, we don't have an explicit author. But like Luke is this explicit author. I, I love that fact. I also enjoy it because I th- I'm a historian. And to me, I see... I feel a kinship between myself and and this person who's trying to create a story by like doing research and talking to people from the past. Mm. That's a that's a really fun part I think of this story and it's the story of the church. I love that there are all these really interesting figures who move the church along in partnership with the Holy Spirit, Stephen and Peter and Paul and Lydia and like all these these characters um you talked about in your lecture a really um important and mysterious story uh with two characters and one um from from the book of Acts chapter 8 um there are two figures Philip and a man from Ethiopia um a eunuch and I wonder if we could just do our thing, which is read a passage and then think about it and talk about it together. How does that sound? Sounds great. Sounds good to me. So students, so where is this? We are in the book of Acts chapter eight, verses 26 through 40. Oh, it's a nice little little segment of scripture if you're listening along at home maybe like pause go get yourself a cup of coffee who is okay can i get some context here Mm -hmm. i need a little help i need a little help on this i'm just seeing the first phrase the angel said the lord the angel lord said to philip like who's philip in this story exactly oh great dr dr edwards Oh, yes. So so Philip actually is the first person, um, so obviously a follower of Jesus, coming out of Jerusalem, and he's the first person who starts venturing outside of Jerusalem. Oh, really? Sharing, he's the one. He's the one. What an who, adventure. Right before this story, he goes to the Samaritans who the Hebrew people didn't like because they're ancestry was a bit mixed and he just starts sharing about Jesus and says, you know, Jesus is the Messiah for you as well. And so he is the first person who starts pushing outside of Jerusalem. Uh, Fascinating. I like it. And, um, well, I think, I think this story is, well, I I think we should just get into it. Do we need any more background? I just want to know who Philip, I just want to make sure we knew who Philip (laughs) was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He comes up really fast and there's no explanation. And so that's good. I'm glad you asked that. that. Now we can go forward. All right. 
Um, Dr. We, Edwards, you want yep, to Yeah, I'll start. So we're, we are reading from Acts 8, and I'll start at verse 26. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go towards the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. And was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to his chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you're reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb, silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom, may I ask you, does the, prophets, uh, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak and started with his scripture. He proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop. And both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he was passing through the region. He proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Nice. What a story. Wow. This is such a fun story. Some wild action there. I have a question for you all based on um, like the the character from Ethiopia. So some of our students may not be familiar with a eunuch and why that matters in this mm. story. Mm. Do eunuchs have a special place in other stories? Like what should we, is there a signal we should be looking for? Like why does it matter that this person is from Ethiopia? Oh, wow. He is yeah. a eunuch. Well, one thing is like, how is he reading these Hebrew scriptures, right? Like I thought right. that, that was a Jewish thing. Well, of course, there ended up being in, in as a result of the exile, there ended up being Jewish diaspora communities all over the world, all over the Mediterranean and Northern Africa and down into Africa and elsewhere. And even today, there's a significant population of, 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 of people with Jewish ancestry in Ethiopia. The language um, in Ethiopia, Ethiopic, is a, a Semitic language. And so there's, there's, there are some serious cultural connections there that could explain like why somebody like that would be reading a scroll. I like that he's at, with, with, at the Candace, which is like the title for a queen. So if we have any Candace students in the class, you are a queen, queen, my friend. Anyway, well, I love like even if, as you talk about contemporary Israel, Palestine area, you have the Beta Israel community, which is descendants of this probably where the Ethiopian eunuch was a part of. Wow. They are Jewish, the Jewish community, and so when they had a famine in Ethiopia, Israel actually airlifted these Ethiopian Jews into mm -hmm. Israel, and there's a large community in Israel today, mm -hmm. and and I love that this this man, he is so dedicated 
And so maybe he's a convert, probably he's a Jewish convert most likely, mm. but he is traveling up to Jerusalem to worship. Okay, so this issue of the eunuch though is super fascinating. Like what is a eunuch? I mean, traditionally a eunuch is 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 a male who's been castrated um, in a particular part of their body, right? Mm. And employed, you know, they, they do a kind of work with, with the queen like he does, like with women. And so there's no sense of like sexuality or sexual threat in this kind of idea. I think it could also include people who... Uh, you know, maybe weren't quite th that literal process hadn't taken place, but maybe there are other factors that could make someone a eunuch. And it's fascinating to know that in the book of Isaiah, not the section he's reading, but there actually is, are some significant verses and things about eunuchs in the book of Isaiah. Like Isaiah 56 has this verse about, you know, basically, you know, no foreigner who who joins himself to the Lord will be excluded. And 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 the prophet says, let the eunuch not say I'm but a dry tree. Because this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs. If you keep my Sabbaths, if you hold fast my covenant, I'm going to give you a place in my house, even better than sons and daughters. Isn't that amazing? Wow. So and there's so there's like there's a connection there with this idea of being a eunuch and reading Isaiah, which has this stunning like reference to eunuchs and singles them out as a group. And this is his reading from Isaiah 53. And you just mentioned yeah. 56. Right. And so, okay, so just fast forwarding the story, I could mm -hmm. totally see him like having Keeping been baptized. Reading. Yeah. And reading. Oh, if and you read that seeing, after you were baptized? Then? Yeah. And then reading this and going, oh, boom, that yes, would, no, that just happened. That oh, was no, me. That would be super. I'm sure he kept on reading. Before we get to other details in the story, can I, this is just a wonky biblical scholar thing. I'm so sorry. I apologize to everyone for bringing this up. Do it. I was noticing as I was reading in my Bible, it skips from verse 36 to 38 with no verse 37. Did you see that? There's just like oh, a little right. weird dash. Okay. And I'm like, okay, this is, okay, students, remember way back when our topic was Bible and we ah. talked about this issue of textual criticism, which is not the act of criticizing the text, but rather trying to figure out which is the, what's the original manuscript that the original author wrote. And it turns out if you look... Um, down in a footnote, or if you studied this passage more deeply, you'd find out that some manuscripts, some Greek manuscripts, but not all have a phrase, which is like um, Philip said, if after verse 36, so after they, after he says, we, you know, shouldn't I be baptized? Philip's then says, if you believe with all your heart, you may. The eunuch says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And then he, they go down and they get baptized. They don't put that verse in the NRSV, though, because the editors, the translators, and, and those who put together the NRSV Bible decided, along with most other contemporary Bible translations, that that verse was not part of the original manuscript of the book of Acts, that perhaps it had been added later, perhaps as an explanatory note for baptism. To try I was to, actually thinking yeah, that. Yeah, because it would teach. So someone maybe added it a scribe later to say, like, well, what do you need to do to be baptized? Well, you need to say. First, you, you have to confess. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So someone maybe added that but it's not part of what the original author wrote. And so the scholars who put these Bibles together are like, okay, that's probably true what they added or whatever. It might be, it might not be, but we're not going to actually add it in the Bible. And so you have a blank. It goes from 36 to verse 38 there, which is kind of weird. And then Dr. Doak is typically the reason for that is because most the earliest, the oldest manuscripts yeah. don't include it. Is that the same case I think, for I think that that's true. Yeah. Or it could just be that sometimes the oldest manuscripts aren't even the best ones. It's kind of like, you have to do like this synthetic judgment based on a lot of things. So they must have made that judgment. I'm not familiar with the scholarship behind either the inclusion or not of that verse, but they must have done some good research on that. You know. Very interesting. Okay. Forgive me for that. I'm sorry. I just need I to want to hear here. if there are any students listening who also noticed that. Did you notice the right verse, away? The verse skip yes. from 36 You get a bonus point. Bonus. A listening bonus point. Um, yes. Okay. So we, we know that he is this character who's outside of Jerusalem. We know that he's an important person 
where he comes from, right? Mm-hmm. What else do we need to know about this person? Um, and why does, why is his story included? Hmm. Well, I think as, as we look at the big picture again, so as we've been talking in different podcasts and lectures, we're always kind of saying step back, mm-hmm. look at the bigger picture. And so as you look at this story, you have to look at what happened before and after. And so we have Pentecost, Holy Spirit coming down, and this kind of prophetic word in Acts 1.8 that you'll be filled with power from on high and then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. And then this is the expansion. This is it happening Mm. because you have Judea and Samaria. So the Samaritans right before this started coming to Christ. Then you have this narrative where you have a foreign Jewish convert. And then right after you have Cornelius who is just a Gentile God-fearer. And so you see this movement out. So looking at that, bigger picture you see that this is the beginning of the expansion mm-hmm. to people who are not jewish mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i love well, one of the things that i think is so fascinating about this story is um well it kind of happens toward the very end and so i hate to bring up the very end but you have the spirit of god doing very strange things yes right <laughs> like so at the at the beginning of the story and i know you spend Uh, you spent a lot of time on this in your lecture, you have the spirit like on top of people's heads, appearing like fire. People are speaking in strange tongues. They're healing. They're, they're doing all these extraordinary things. And now you have the spirit just picking someone up and taking them away. Like snatching him out of thin air. Kind of teleported. A teleportation. I love it because I love Star Trek. Well, uh, we've kind of mentioned before that I've I've worked overseas with different churches and different congregations. And one of the places I worked was in Papua New Guinea. And I know a pastor who was teleported. (gasps) Like this is a part of his story. Yeah. So it was a very charismatic community. Uh And they were like the things that happened in the book of Acts, especially there was a big revival there in the 70s, 80s and 90s they could relate a lot to what they read in the story because it had happened to them. And there was this one man who was doing ministry. And then the next thing he knew, the community that he did ministry with, he just disappeared and he showed up somewhere else and he continued preaching just like Philip. Whoa. Yeah. So kind of cool. <laughs> so, I mean, people read this and they're like, is that really true? I'm like, well, I met a man <laughs> and it happened to him. He has so, a story. Wow. Um, I don't think it's common though. I'll give uh, you that. How, um, <laughs> I wondered too, I mean, just, just kind of the story almost strikes me as a little humorous in a way. I know it's probably not meant to be funny, but it's just like, Maybe. Hey, go talk to that guy. And it's like, Oh, he's reading the Bible. Oh, what are you reading? Hey, come up in my chariot and let's read it. Like, I don't know. Like even as, as a missionary, like, have you ever had experience like that with somebody where it's like, you just felt like, Oh, I should talk to that person. It's like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just reading the Bible, but I don't understand it. I wish someone would come and explain it to me. And you're like, Oh, here I am. Like, is that a usual, is that a typical kind of experience? It actually has happened to me. (laughs) I know you weren't expecting that. Um, I I was working in Amsterdam. So I was working at a Christian youth hostel. And, you know, it was, we actually like had a great youth hostel. And that was the, that was the, the, uh, the ministry was just, you know, housing people from Mm. all around the world. Um, But I actually met a young woman there and I had exactly a very similar experience. She walked in off the street because she somehow knew it was a Christian youth hostel. There's no signs anywhere and just asked for a Bible. And I just had a Bible and I chatted with her and it was kind of a little bit, I wasn't teleported anywhere, but it was that kind of a moment where Mm. it just felt, God had arranged this meeting. Wow. 
Well, I like that she came to you because in this passage, to the humor point, he goes to him and apparently he like runs alongside for a while. And so I'm just sort of wondering, a chariot can go like, you know, pretty quickly, I would imagine. Maybe they're not at a full full tilt. But um and then eventually he gets invited up there. So I actually kinda liked that. I was just imagining. Why is Philip it funny to like, think of people running in the ancient world? Well, I'm thinking it's like, funny if my clothing. Like did they actually like <laughs> right? pulling you don't, it up? Because <laughs> you don't imagine people even doing like basic things like just that we did, but it's like you got somebody running here. Well, I was just imagining myself I'd be huffing and puffing in like two seconds. Like hopefully this happened quickly for Philip's sake or well, he's a runner. He gets whisked away. I mean, this guy has some uh, strange physical experiences in the world. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. And I think that kind of points to the fact that there is another character here. So we're talking about Philip and we're talking about um, obviously the eunuch. But it's like God mm. is this massive force like the angel the Lord spoke and then the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit spoke and said, go and do that. And kind of going back to your point, Dr. Doak, he just happened to be reading this messianic prophecy. I mean, it just seems like, oh, well, it doesn't man. seem like, it's very clear. The author is saying, God is doing this. Oh, totally. I, I'm also really taken about the horizons of meaning in this passage. Like, yes, he's reading a passage, which happens to be a perfect one for talking about Jesus, Isaiah 53, which is about this idea that, you know, someone suffers unjustly and it's like, there's this, there's this, you know, a lamb is like being led to the slaughter. And for Christians, like we're thinking about Jesus being treated unjustly. I also, so there's that, which is obvious and the right way. I also think about just like back to our earlier conversation about just this eunuch and like what his life might be like. Can you imagine him like reading this? Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, like a lamb silent in humiliation, justice was denied him. Like thinking of being in a subservient position like that Mm. with possibly a part of your body mutilated, was it mutilated by his own choice or was it not by his choice? And if it wasn't by his choice or if there's some aspect of his body or his experience that he didn't feel he had control over and he's reading a passage about somebody who's being treated unjustly. It's like scripture could really speak in a way I think that is so stunning to just like human people, like it tells our story. And I, I have a question for you, Dr. Yeah. Doak. Okay, so he is a most likely a Jewish convert, a eunuch. Can you talk a little bit or speak to what his experience would have been like in Jerusalem oh. in the temple? Oh, would he have been allowed in all the way? Like, yeah, can you speak a little bit to that? I don't know, it's a good question. I don't know all the ins and outs of, of, of who would have been allowed or not, but I do think. I do know this, like the idea that you'd be able to come like from this diaspora experience and come to the temple. It's probably something that people did in the land of Israel pretty frequently. Like if you could walk there or journey there, I mean, it's a place of pilgrimage, right? Like you would want to go there. Um, But, you know, travel didn't work in the ancient world like it does today. If you're coming somewhere um, from, uh, you know, if you're coming somewhere, certainly from Ethiopia, like that's a serious journey. And this passage has has Philip going down this road and meeting... um, meeting this Ethiopian who's come to Jerusalem to worship. So I presume that he's coming there because he's going to partake in some way, but certainly there are graded, there's like a gradation of, of, of access to the temple always, you know, there are courts, there are outer courts, there are inner courts, obviously only priests can access certain inner parts. And in fact, this is the temple, this temple we're looking at here and this action must be occurring like say in the fifties or or something like that AD, that temple would actually be destroyed only less than 20 years, probably after this story occurs. And so, you know, you could think of Philip as like one of the last generation of say like foreign Jewish, uh, foreign to Israel, that is Jewish worshipers coming back 
to the temple to have this experience. So it's just like loaded with so much meaning. Yeah. One of the things that struck me, Dr. Doak, when you were talking about like the layers of meaning is how how relatively recent the story of Jesus would have been. So I'm imagining this this eunuch reading, perhaps as you say, like identifying with his own suffering and then then not quite understanding how all of those pieces fit together, mm-hmm. anticipating the temple and then being told about the person of Jesus. What, like, how would he receive that person, you know, differently maybe from other characters that we've seen in the, in the text so far, like this is someone who has maybe more cultural distance, Mm -hmm. but, but maybe he also has more personal uh, uh, affinity as well. Like what would that be like to have not heard, you know, so many of us are just really familiar. And even if you have no like church background whatsoever, almost everyone in this in the whole world <laughs> really knows knows of the person of Jesus what would that be like to experience his story for the first time oh it's amazing like i've wished sometimes this is just like maybe it's a little bit of a lament as a christian that i have personally just that we are so saturated with the story which i guess you could say as a christian is a good thing but i almost sometimes think it's not yeah. Like I can't approach the experience innocently anymore like I want to. And I think like approaching scripture and the story of faith like innocently, like I did when I first became a Christian, is like something I feel like I've really had a hard time reclaiming, you know? And yeah. so just that thought, Seeing it just strikes fresh me. Eyes. Yeah, mm-hmm. just like or just like all the cultural baggage. Like it's like student out there, like if you are like, Yeah, okay, I can do this Bible and Christian thing, but I'm so sick of the world of Christianity and the way that people act and the things I hear in my church and whatever, like I just I confess, like I'm totally with you. Like, that's how I feel. Like, Mm. I feel like I'm saturated just in fakeness and I hate it, you know? And it's like, so this thought of encountering Jesus like Philip does with that kind of innocence, it like appeals to me. It, oh, someone's going up. It, is it is that you spirit of god is that, is that the spirit of god <laughs> that's a god no, god was like i heard actually that actually a scam god said i heard that i heard you saying that so i you know that's how i feel and so to see philip in that moment of and to see the ethiopian in that moment of innocent encounter that means a lot to me really as a person it, it brings brings to mind one of my friends um lives in germany and her village is right on the border of the old border of East and West Germany. Wow. And she was a part of church groups to this day in both sides, mm-hmm. even though the wall came down many years ago. And she was saying on the East German side, she loves going to the Bible study oh. because people have had generations where they are not familiar with the Bible. Oh, wow. Versus on her side where it's like it feels old hat. And it's not that the scripture is old hat. It's just we think we know everything and we're not asking questions of the text anymore. Right. And there's a sense of I've heard this story already. And she just said working and being a part of this this group with with former Eastern uh, Germans yeah. um, was just – it opened her eyes in a new way. Well, right, because you'd love to go into a setting if, if like, say you grew up with the Bible, probably some students here, like, grew up in Christian families and they went to a Christian elementary school and you went to a Christian middle school and then you went to a Christian high school and now you're at a Christian college. And it's like, you you know, to, like, actually hear that in a different, like, you feel like you're just, you get stuck in a cycle where you just keep repeating the same way of understanding things over and over again. And just to hear people who don't have those understandings, but who are equally as faithful saying different things, it could really, like, open your life up, you know? 
Yeah, you know, absolutely. You all are sounding a lot like the author of Luke Acts because um, I, one of my favorite Bible teachers said, uh, uh, like, if there was like a um, a subtitle for Luke Acts, it would be the Gospel of the Look. Like, there's all this language about behold, look, their mm-hmm. eyes are open, mm-hmm. and this is a, one of you know a famous version of that. And I think that there's such beauty in having your eyes opened for the first time. So one of the things that I love about this story is that one of the most ancient and still inexistent churches um, in the world today trace their heritage to this eunuch. So this Ethiopian man. So if you are listening to this podcast and this is your first time exploring this stuff, like you might be someone who does really amazing things. Mm-hmm. Um after being inspired mm-hmm. by this this story. So I guess what we're saying is welcome to the to the newbies who your eyes are being opened. Yeah. Well, I love, I mean, talk about layers in the text. If you kind of step back again, you are not only reading or and, and kind of reading these historical accounts of these different individuals and the spread of the gospel, but you're also, you have an inside look into the Christians, the early Christians who are Hebrew, who are Jewish, mm-hmm. who are getting shocked every every corner when they're realizing like, oh, Samaritans can be followers of Christ. And then I guess like converts can. And then especially it really comes to pass in Acts 10 and 11 when you have Cornelius, like a Gentile. And there's like Acts 10 says this is what happened with Cornelius. And Acts 11 Mm -hmm. is Peter having to explain blow by blow in Jerusalem that this is of God. And so you talk about eyes being open. This is happening for the church as well. Shout out to the newcomers. Shout out also to the the jaded ones who are looking for an innocent new encounter like me. Something for everyone. There's something for everyone in the book of Acts. (laughs) 